to Just Plain Wrong, the podcast where three Mennonite librarians discuss Amish fiction and depictions of Amish, Mennonites, and other playing groups in pop culture. Today, we are going to be sharing listener stories, making some confessional corrections, and answering a few questions. However, to start us off, let's see if any of us have any moons or most Mennonite <laughs> moments to share this week. Erin, do you have anything? Well, I don't know if this is really a Mennonite moment, but it is kind of funny that I'm out of town for a few days. And did I go somewhere exciting like Hawaii or Florida? No, I'm in Harrisonburg, Virginia, a town with a ample Mennonite population uh, here to visit some family for a while. So I guess that's my, my Mennonite moment, if that qualifies. My Mennonite moment has been happening for a little while, but I was just thinking about it today in the car ride home. So I have a two, almost three-year-old, and he has taken to fairly recently whenever we, you know, sometimes we like to put on some music. He's very into the band OK Go. So sometimes, you know, I'll maybe sing along, maybe try to do some really bad car dancing. And I will very frequently hear a little voice in the back seat saying, stop singing, mama, stop dancing. Now, I know that this is very likely the fact that he is almost three and very toddler. However, there is part of me that also thinks it might be the voices of my Mennonite ancestors speaking through my toddler and telling me that I really need to refrain from all that singing and dancing. So that is my Mennonite moment of the week. For our next uh, section, we are going to do some confessions and clarifications about some previous statements. Yeah, I'll start. So a couple episodes ago, uh, during the episode on a sister's wish, we talked about courting buggies and open topped buggies. And the author's line that most of the orders in Indiana use topless buggies. And um, I made a fairly strong assertion that that was incorrect. And I still maintain that it is mostly correct, <laughs> or that I was mostly correct, I guess. However, uh, we did hear from several of you that the Adams County, I think it's Adams County, Indiana, where Burn, Indiana is located, um, that order does use only open buggies. And uh, we even had some pictures sent to us of really uncomfortable looking Amish people in open buggies in the snow with umbrellas. So uh, I still maintain that it is correct to say that most orders in Indiana do not use these exclusively. Uh, but there is one. So we will uh, confess and clarify, <laughs> clarify that detail. Another clarification is of something that we mentioned in episode 10. We were a little bit confused about the existence of coffee soup. Serendipitously, I happened to be cataloging a memoir at the Mennonite Historical Library a few weeks after we recorded that and came across uh, someone talking about coffee soup for breakfast and did some other research. Turns out coffee soup is exactly what it sounds like. It's coffee that is thinned out with milk and you put pieces of crumbled up toast or saltines in it and you eat it. And I think it sounds terrible. <laughs> I could not find any specific geographic region that it was linked to though. So if anyone has that information, I am curious. We are now going to move into sharing some of your stories and a whole bunch of your most Mennonite moments are coming up after that. So I'm going to start with some tornado stories in the episode on 
an unlikely Amish match. Uh, we talked about surprise tornadoes and we got a couple good tornado stories sent to us. Uh, the first one we'll share is actually from my dad. And this was a story I had never heard before. So here's my dad's story. I was painting the interior of a house with a friend out in the middle of the Iowa countryside. We were so engaged in our work and conversation that we didn't realize the sky had turned dark and the winds had picked up. When a branch poked through the upstairs window, we decided we'd better find the basement. We couldn't find the door to the basement inside the house, so we went outside to use an outside entrance to the basement. It was one of those ramp-type doors that you had to lift up in order to go downstairs. We got in, and the electricity went off, and it rained really hard, and we heard lots of crashing and banging. When the storm ended, we tried to get out the way we came in, but a big branch had landed on the door. We found some steps that led to the interior door and made our way out. We were told by the neighboring farmer that there was a funnel cloud, though we never saw it. Well, Dad, I'm glad you made it to the basement safely and <laughs> live to see another day. I've got a handful of tornado stories. Uh, many of them are kind of uneventful and consist of vague memories of me crying in a basement, wondering why we were sitting next to the freezer if I wasn't allowed to eat ice cream. <laughs> Um, one story that I have probably blocked from my memory, but have been told about from my brothers was when my parents were away and our babysitter was watching us one summer, we heard a siren go off and we went into the basement and then our babysitter promptly left us there so he could go outside and take pictures of the funnel. Uh, oh, man. I mostly remember being scared. My worst tornado story is about the kind of crazed tornado thunderstorm combo that happened the week I was going to Sharon Mennonite Church Vacation Bible School with my cousin. And one day after Vacation Bible School, the air got really still and heavy, and I kind of freaked out and my mom came to pick me up from my cousins and we got in the car and we were not very far out from my cousin's house when it started to hail and the sky got dark and there was thunder and lightning and the lightning because the atmosphere was so strange looked purple. And I'm pretty sure I was in the back suit seat screaming my head off while my mom bravely drove us home uh, we got home. We were safe. My dad had pulled my brothers into the dining room and they were roasting marshmallows over a candle because the electricity went out and it stayed out for a couple of days. I also remember washing my hair in the backyard swimming pool because <laughs> I guess we didn't have much water. Yeah. It was not a fun experience. Here's a listener story that was actually shared with us about tornadoes by Beth via email. She referred to the Palm Sunday tornadoes of 1965 that happened here in Northern Indiana in the Goshen area specifically. And she shared that both the Hyde Park dormitory, uh, Hyde Park Goshen College dormitory was used as hospital overflow and that the Goshen College gym was actually used as a morgue for the city and the folk uh, folks went in there to identify bodies. She also recommended the book, The Mighty Whirlwind by uh, David Wagler, which I am sure the Mennonite Historical Library owns. So uh, as a book that shared lots of stories from that particular incident. Yeah, that incident, I did some checking. It turns out that there were in this two-day span, 
uh, around Palm Sunday, there were 55 confirmed tornadoes in the region. Wow. Um, so it was really quite deadly and a big, big anomaly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I find it sort of interesting that even though I grew up in Iowa where there were a fair number of tornadoes, I don't think I have a good personal anecdote. All my stories are flood stories. All right. Uh, now we're going to shift into sharing the Mennonite moments that you all have uh, shared with us. And these are so wonderful to get from you all. So please continue sharing them. If you have one every week, that's fine. We'll keep reading them. Um, <laughs> so please keep sharing these. Uh, this is from Beth via email. And she says, I wanted to get an MCC speaker for our Zoom church service here in Boise. And I feel like this is a moment in time to make the world bigger with Zoom and go international. I contacted the M MCC representatives in Colombia, and she didn't know me. And I told the woman that I know her parents and her uncles and aunts and some other connections. She then agreed to speak. <laughs> um, and then she tells us some of the names so that we can make these connections personally, which I also appreciated. <laughs> All right. Next we have from Becca on Instagram. I live outside the U.S. and Ziploc bags are not really a thing here. When I first moved here, I bought a couple of large flour tortillas, which are sold in a pretty hefty, heavy-duty resealable bag. So they're what I've used to store my fresh bread in pretty much since the day I uh, since day one. Turns out that's what most of the Mennonite service workers do here. Use empty washed and dried tortilla bags to store bread and other items. But the bread part really made me chuckle. <laughs> Not sure if this is Mennonite or just being resourceful, but I suppose the fact that we even thought about washing and reusing a bag made for something else is pretty Mennonite. And then we have Gretchen, who texted me. She's a friend of mine. Um, and she wanted me to pass along to uh, my co-hosts and all of you that along with using um, elastic or old shoelaces for your masks, uh, you can use old tights or leggings to make those ear loops. And she says they are super soft and stretchy and very comfortable. I should try that. I think I have a couple of pairs of tights with holes in them that I could I could deconstruct. Yeah, good use for the, the leggings that get holes. Yeah. I have a handful of Mennonite moments coming in from friends and relatives. My brother texted me to say that not only does he make sure to wash and reuse his aluminum foil, he has also taken to gathering discarded bones from various butchers around town and saving the bones that from meals that he makes and that his friends make and then making stock and bone broth out of these things. So there's some community resource sharing there as well as um, frugality. <laughs> uh, my friend Hannah says that she is very careful to save the world one trash bag at a time by squishing and compacting her trash down as far as possible so that the bag goes that much more and then only taking out the trash when it's all the way full. And and something that is new to me, but I might have to start doing. My cousin once removed, Anne, has told me that she composts her dryer lint, which I did not know that you could do. I didn't either. That's very impressive. I knew you could start yeah. fires with it and make like, you can almost make like Duraflame logs, I think, like by oh. using dryer lint and like wax and maybe, I don't know, I looked at it once and never, it looked too hard. So I never actually tried it. But. Well, Actually, I should probably add that I've heard from my mom that what you do is you save the toilet paper holder, the roll, the inside roll, you save that, and then you fill that with dryer lint, 
And that is an excellent fire starter. Yeah. So another, another tip there for you all. Yes. And so I have a couple here to share. Meryl from Twitter uh, liked, wanted to share a secret Mennonite thrill, which she said, my Renica is actually better than my grandma's. And I brag about it. I even bragged about it when she was alive, which I have to say that is impressive to not only have Renica that is better than one's grandma, but to, but to, to, but to brag about it. That, that is impressive. Um, What is Veronica? Veronica, which I will say I'm, I'm Swiss German in background. So I will not go into too much detail seeing as this is a Russian Mennonite food and I don't want to get it wrong, but it is basically you make a, um, a dough and it is a stuffed uh, pastry and I think the traditional thing is actually you stuff it with cottage cheese. So it ends up being like a fried pastry with cottage cheese in it. And I've had it before and it is delicious. So I like the pastry part sounds delicious. I'm not sure on the cottage cheese, but say so I also want to mention to anyone listening who's like, what the heck are Russian Mennonites that this is something that I think will be discussed in various episodes throughout March. So if you don't know what all that means, uh, we'll be discussing that in more depth soon. Yes, yes. And the, um, the next one I want to share is from Beth. She shared by Facebook. My recent most Mennonite moment was donating a large trash bag full of used clothing to a reuse it store and promptly buying three new pairs of jeans at Goodwill. I also emptied the last bit of hand sanitizer from two bottles into a third bottle and recycled the two empties. I also put a very, a little bit of very hot water into an almost empty mayo jar to get the last bit of mayo (laughs) out of it. I'm curious, Beth, with if the water was to like get the mayo out to eat or to clean. I hope it was to clean the last bit of mayo out and recycle the jar and that we aren't mixing mayonnaise and water. Ew. Maybe there's some delicacy, which is Maybe. like watered down mayo sauce. Ew. I don't know. Mm. Okay. And this is not a most Mennonite moment, but this is a, one of the early emails we got. And it's a great little story. And uh, we wanted to share it with you. So Eleanor shared via email. My husband and I directed the Mennonite Center in London for many years. It was a type of Mennonite legation where we fielded many questions, such as, I have a cousin in Canada who is engaged to a Mennonite. Is this dangerous? Or now that you, Alan Kreider, are director of the Mennonite Center, will it be called the Alanite Center? The backstory in that one is that the previous director was Menno Friesen, so hence why they thought it might be Alanite and Mennonite. Um, What a great story. Uh, Moving on to some listener suggestions. We have gotten a outpouring of different movies and books and bizarre comic books and graphic novels and TV shows, and we are adding them to the list as fast as we can and reprioritizing as we go. So keep the recommendations coming. Justine on Instagram also suggested that we talk some more about the Mennonite game at some point, and we do indeed have plans to do that in the next month or two. Uh, We will probably also review the card game, the Mennonite game, while we are at it. Similarly, we have to give a shout out to Kim on Instagram, who took the time to figure out how she is related to each of us. (laughs) Props. 
So to wrap up this episode, we are now at about two months of existence, and we are just so thankful for all of you who are listening and sending your comments and your Mennonite moments and interacting with us via social media and email. Uh, we really appreciate your support of our our project, and we're a little blown away, actually. So thank you so much. Um, and this was a short episode, but we will be back next week with an interview with Valerie Weaver-Zerker, the author of Thrill of the Chaste. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at Plain Wrong Pod on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook, or via email at plainwrongpod at gmail.com. So thanks again for listening. <laughs>